This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Broadcast Podcast. My name is Tom, I'm part of the team here at Broadcast and last week we started a new series on the pod that we call Leadership Unleashed and the idea of what we were going for with this series is we believe that in all our churches, in all our contexts, there's loads more leadership available to us than we're getting um, to to utilise and we wanted to talk about how do we bring through leadership and how do we get people uh, from wherever they're at to be able to lead, either in our existing churches that then free up other people to go out and pioneer and start new things, or to raise up people who can themselves go out and pioneer and start new things. So we began with a conversation about uh, a couple of principles that we talk about here at Christchurch Manchester called a low bar of leadership and a high bar of leadership. And how we take people on a journey, starting where they're at and giving loads of people an opportunity to have a go and to grow into leading, but also how we take them on a journey and develop them and help them to get really good. Now that leaves uh, a whole bunch of questions and one of the most obvious questions I think is, so can just anybody get to lead? And the answer is no. And that's what I want to talk about today, who gets to lead? So I've got a guest with me on, and that is Andy Brownlee. And Andy's part of the team with us here at CCM. Uh, He leads a a couple of our sites, really, one directly and uh, two more by overseeing them. So this whole um, leadership development and bringing leaders through uh, is a big part of Andy's world. So Andy, it's great to have you on the pod today. How are you doing? Doing well, Tom. Thanks. Great to be on with you. So... Andy, a few years ago, uh, did a piece of work and he created uh, a a framework for what we look for in leaders. Um, I think it'd be good to reflect on that a bit today. But Andy, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you came to to do this piece of work, what was in your mind or the mind of others in in, in making this and what what were you seeking to get out of this? Well, yeah, it was... uh, uh... I think probably a number of years ago, we were at, uh, well, I read a number of John and Dave Ferguson books, I think Exponential, Hero Maker, you may have read of some of those, uh, Tom, uh, also at one of their conferences. And, and they had a number of qualities that they look for in leaders, which we found really helpful. Um, and then what we did uh, last year, Colin and myself, um, uh, last year, year before last, we came up with a, a kind of just a list of qualities we look for in leaders. And that's really based on experience, based on uh, learning the hard way, shall we say. Um, and uh, yeah, we found it really helpful when it comes to looking for for leaders that they, that they meet these criteria. Some are foundational, some are, okay, preferable. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how it kind of came about. So you basically took what the Fergusons did and thought, we can do better than that. We, we, we can have our version of it. Well, we did. Yeah, we did take what they had and we extended it a bit. Yes, that is true. Yeah. So, yeah, no, the, the Fergusons are great. But obviously with all of this, it's important to think about your own context and 
your own way of doing things. So I'm just joking around a bit. But but looking around this document, it, it seems like you've got a whole bunch of things that are preferable. It feels like a job advert with the person spec a little bit. Uh, and there are loads of things. And just picking out some of them on there, you've got uh, good Bible knowledge on there. You've got momentum builder. Uh, you've got discerning. These are good qualities to have. But there's some qualities that you've said are um, even more of a priority. I guess you can teach some of this stuff. Uh, and, and there are things that have to be in play uh, for someone to be a leader. You've got a few essential qualities and then you've got three foundational. What's your thinking in the difference between the essential stuff? Um, so you've got on there things like home life, able to make time, gracious with people. Uh, and then foundational. Um, what's the difference there? We'll, we'll come on to what the foundational ones are in a bit. Well, the three essential ones, gracious with people, able to make time and home life, we thought were essential. <laughs> and basically, foundation was a way of saying, okay, is there a word that's more important than <laughs> essential, basically? Because the foundational ones, teachability, spiritual velocity, and relational intelligence, they're just absolutely fundamental, foundational to everything. When it comes to leaders, we just have to have those three. And every time we've had a leader come through who's been weak in one of those three, that has come back to bite us at some stage. Yeah, I mean, it feels like to me, looking at them, the, the stuff on essential is it's got to be there. And if it's not, it's a deal breaker. But that, they're not the things by which you spot a leader by looking at them. Whereas the things on the foundational stuff, if you spot someone who's nailing these things, that's the light, kind of green light. Wow, this is a person who we really want to bring on the journey. Then, if you agree with that, yeah, absolutely. No, I think I think that's that's true. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, Tom. Yeah, yeah. put it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let, let's get into the the three things then that you'd marked as the foundational qualities of. Yeah. A leader. You, you just mentioned what they were there briefly. Um, so you listed teachability, you listed spiritual velocity, uh, you listed relational intelligence. It'd be good to uh, delve into each of them uh, in turn and just talk, talk around. Like, what do you mean when you say these things? Why do you think these things are so foundational for leadership? So let, let's start at the top. Let's start with teachability. W what do you mean by teachability? I, I guess. We've heard the phrase, but it might land differently with different people. Well, it is what it says. People are teachable. I mean, another way of saying it is that they're humble, humble enough to learn. Um, and I think it's just so important. I mean, it's important when you're bringing through leaders that leaders know something, know something of the Bible so that they have some teaching. But actually, it's way more important that they are teachable, that they're willing to learn. And I think, I think what I've found is that sometimes... Older people are less teachable sometimes because there's an element of, hey, I'm 20 years older than you. Who do you think you are trying to teach me something? So uh, it, it's worth bearing in mind, someone who's a little bit older and wants to be brought through as a leader, it can be a little bit more difficult that um, when it comes to teachability. But yeah, it really, it's the willingness to learn and receive feedback. Um, and it's very interesting. You can have real high achieving people who are very teachable and then you can have other people who just really aren't and are very difficult um, and just don't want to learn. Um, but yeah, absolutely, totally important is, is, is the teachability side of things, yeah. Can you think of any examples of people who you've been working with who uh, just knock it out of the park for teachability and 
Um, how do they conduct themselves? What do they do? How does it make you feel as a kind of leader who's trying to develop? Them? Yeah, one of one of our key leaders, really gifted guy, um, very able, um, a real go getter as well. Really pushes out, gets stuff done. Um, but recently, you know, he was going to do something. He was deciding he was going to do something. I had to sit down and say, look, that's not. I don't think we should do that. And it was brilliant. He could just say, yeah, okay, I can totally see that. You're absolutely right. Stood back and. And that was well. It made me feel good, you know. It made me feel great that he that he was listening, um, and and taking that taking that on board. Um, but yeah, so it, it's yeah. That that's one one example. I mean, I'm not going to name any names. Yeah, you know. no, no. I mean, that's good. And particularly if we're talking the negative side, we're definitely not. Yeah, yeah, names, yeah. But like thinking about people like the the one you've just mentioned, that to me screams right. If Andy has another opportunity come up, who's he going to be looking for? All right, well, this person who's just listened, who's just been willing to receive what he was bringing. Um, this, I know who you talk about, but it's not someone who uh, is just passive, who's always trying to, like, pass the book and be like, okay, Andy, you decide this, you decide this. He's going for it, but also willing to be redirected and steer in a different way. And what's interesting about this situation was I was talking to someone recently and reflecting on this particular situation where I had to challenge him on this particular issue and he listened, took it on, was teachable and brilliant decision came around as a result of it. And I was reflecting on the fact that someone else I know who wasn't teachable, another leader, wasn't teachable. If I'd had this same conversation with them, I'd have basically had to put on body armour to go into this. I mean, I'd have been fighting this for days and it would have taken up so much emotional energy. I'd have been thinking of arguments and backup arguments, getting help. Whereas this one was just, it was a conversation. It was five minutes and it was done. And I think that's the big difference. As a leader, when you have people underneath you who are teachable in that sense, not to say they never challenge you and push back. No, we want that. That's healthy. But that's the difference between a five-minute conversation and three days of just trying to bang through something yes. to get somewhere. And that's huge, you know, when you have limited yeah. time. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting what you were saying about older people because um, I was reflecting on it. And I find that often people who've led in other places, it's a real difficulty um, because people who've led in other places know a lot about how to lead. And they often know a lot about a particular way of doing things. They've learned uh, a certain leadership philosophy, and it probably works well in the place they were at. And then you come into a new place, and it's not quite the same. The culture's a little bit different. And yet that barrier of, this is how leadership looks. I've got to bring it here. And hammer my surroundings to fit what I've been taught leadership is. Versus, right, I'm going to come in and I'm, I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to relearn it again. Yeah. That's huge. And uh, I know we both got a similar story. How we, we both had led in other places before coming to CCM. How did you find that transition coming in and having what you know and having to submit and humble yourself and be teachable? Yeah, it was difficult at times because I think for me, I, I came in, I had certain things. I was like, right, this is the way we're going to do things. And I had to learn that teachability, I think. Um, and, and I think the good thing here at CCM, certainly with Colin, he's very patient with young leaders who think they know everything. Um, and he was patient with me. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a journey. Uh, but I think 
as much as it was a journey, there was an acceptance on my part that there, even though there were things I, I, I did think I knew and I was going to go for, I was always willing to listen and to learn. There, there was that attitude there, not that I'm bigging myself up here, but there, there was that. And when I was challenged, I did take it on board. Um, and I think that's the, that's the key, the, the, key, the key aspect in all yeah. this. Yeah. And interesting watching how it played out because you were teachable, you were humble, you were receiving stuff. And the more you did that, and myself as well in the same situation around the same time, the more I was willing to learn uh, and kind of relearn leadership through a CCM style, then the more opportunity I had to speak in and shape the style. And the fact that I would listen then gave me the hearing to speak. Yeah. And I've seen so many leaders who come in and want to speak but not listen. And mm. they just annoy everyone. And no one wants to um, have the meeting. Like you said, it's a body armor thing. Absolutely. Whereas if you're meeting someone who you know they're on board and they've got a few ideas, then it's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, I think, Tom, the most obvious thing for us when it comes to teachability is doing sermon feedback. Right. I, like We've both done a lot of sermon feedback in our times. And we both, we both know the people who you're going to give the feedback and they're going to take notes, they're going to listen to everything and they're going to be, yeah, yeah, that's so helpful. And we both know the people who we're putting our body armor on for. Um, and I remember uh, talking to someone, sorry if I'm going on a bit here, Tom, but I remember talking to someone recently who was going to get sermon feedback with you, right? And I said, okay, look, here's how it goes with Tom and sermon feedback, all right? Like, oh, right, okay, yeah. Me. So, well, he'll probably have about 10 pieces of really good sermon feedback, okay? Now, if you push back against him on the first piece and you disagree with him, push back and say, da, 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 and, and just aren't teachable, he'll look at you and he'll look how you've received the first bit and he'll say, there's not much point in me giving the other nine bits of feedback and he won't give you it. You've got to be teaching. You've got to receive it to get the good of all the feedback, really. So, Yeah, that's definitely true. I remember conversations where I opened up with the littlest thing and by the end of an hour it's like okay you've really been justifying yourself about the little thing we've not got to the big stuff yet but you're not going to grow you know my favorite people though they're the ones who actually ask for the feedback it's not hey I've got some stuff let's have a chat about it I preach I want to get better Can can you tell me what I need to do um, I want to move us on now. I want to go on to a second point on here, which was about spiritual velocity. It's an interesting phrase. Um, what, what do you mean by spiritual velocity? Well, it's your direction of travel spiritually, your direction of travel in terms of where you're going towards Jesus. So, um, you know, you, you could be a new Christian uh, and not know an awful lot, but you're, you're really going for it in terms of wanting to live for Jesus, wanting to understand what his word says and to live that out. That's a, a direction of travel. You could have been, you could have someone who's been a Christian for many years, but just for, you know, just been really stagnant and actually drifting your, in your faith. Again, that's a direction of, of travel. Now, the first person may not look like the all put together Christian, the second person may do, they go to church every day, they do all the right things, but there's a direction of travel there that you're looking for. Um, are they going towards Jesus or away from him, basically? Yeah. That's interesting because when I think about a lot of Christian leadership contexts, I think people would often look for the second person as the leader and not the first one. So they might have in total made more progress. They might have um, kicked more habits. They might have taken on more practices and then play the christian persona well because yeah. uh, they've been doing it for a long time 
and they tend to get looked on more likely as leaders than the person who's been in the church six months who's still not got everything together but you can tell they're excited about God and um, yeah it's a fascinating thing to uh, to think the whole low bar and high bar thing is exactly the velocity isn't it you don't need to have made a lot of progress but hey you need to be going in a good direction to do it um, absolutely yeah and I think like with um, the way Jesus had leaders he certainly didn't have a two-stage process of like, here's your three years of discipleship. We're really going to get you mature. And then you can have a go at doing mm, some stuff. Yeah. It was the other way around, wasn't it? Well, you do them at exactly the same time. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And within months, they were going two by two to the towns and villages. And they were leading stuff quickly. And then they were doing stupid stuff. And he was having to address mm. stuff with them. And um, yeah, it's a, a process together. Yeah, great. yeah, I mean, if the teachability is... Another word for teachability is humble. Another word for spiritual velocity is hunger, basically. And you're right with the disciples. That's that's what Jesus looked for. He looked for hunger. That was that was the thing he wanted, hunger. These guys are like willing to give up everything to follow him because they're hungry for something. They're hungry for him. And, and yeah, that's what we're looking for, really. That hunger, that desire, which you can't, you can't put in people. Like it just, it, it, that's a God thing. That's a, you know, you've, you've just got to look where God's moving. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another thing on spiritual velocity that, that I've noticed is it it doesn't stay constant over time. So you'll get people who they're on fire for God and then they kind of stagnate. You use the word stagnant. Most stagnant people who've been Christians for a long time haven't been stagnant the whole time. They've had phases that they've really been going forward on. Now, that's difficult when people are leaders. So you get someone who's already taken on some leadership who starts to stagnate a little bit spiritually is that something that you've seen happen and what can we do about it as leaders who are trying to work with other leaders how do we how do we help keep the velocity strong mm. yeah i mean i think it's a general thing we're looking for spiritual velocity we you know we we often go through seasons where there there is is dry periods so it's not <laughs> it's not kicking anyone out because they've gone through a dry period spiritually but yeah, I mean, I think for me as a leader, it's just, it's self-leadership. It, it's looking after yourself spiritually. It's practicing the spiritual disciplines. It, it, it's, yeah, it's looking after yourself spiritually, which I think is so important. And it's one of the things we so easily neglect as leaders. We spend so much time looking after everyone else and sorting everything else that we can often neglect our own spirituality. And I, and I think like as preachers, I think if we're honest, you know, you can't act like you can't act up there. You can't put on a show and everyone love it. And you're not doing great in your own, you know, in your own life, your own spiritual life. I mean, you just read John Mark Homer. I mean, very, he's very honest about sharing how that was, that was the case for him. You know, things were going great spiritually, not so good. So, um, so I think, so I think there is a way we help leaders, but I think, leaders just got to take responsibility themselves it's not about moaning for others you've got to be like right what do i need put that in place yeah i think you're right the personal devotional life is key i was thinking a little bit about it in terms of what does leadership do to your spiritual velocity and it's interesting i was thinking because i'm preaching this weekend on the parable of the sower yeah. and so all about how you receive the word and for a leader it's just as true as for someone hearing it for the first time are you hearing the word are you receiving what jesus is speaking to you and amongst the 
types that didn't receive the word. There were some who um, it got burned up and they, they were enamored by the things of this world. And it's so easy as a leader to do that. You get uh, maybe high on your own success. You start to think, hey, I'm the big deal here. Particularly if you're doing well and more people are turning up than used to turn up or you're getting praised about things you've done. You can start thinking like, hey, I'm such a big deal. That can really be a detriment to your spiritual velocity. Yeah. And then with that, there's also the, um, the seed that just gets tangled up by pressure and by difficult times. And hey, we know that in leadership, there's a lot of pressure and hard circumstances. And that can grind you down and take you out of the velocity. And I think being aware that these are the snares going in and having people you can talk to, like leadership as a, as a team sport, not a, a solo thing that you know, I love the, the journeys that we do when, when we go to uh, an away day or a conference too, or Tom. something. It's great, isn't it? But we, we get hours in the car. We can really ask the questions and yeah. um, just walk through it with each other uh, as things are going on. So yeah. yeah, they say leadership is lonely, but it doesn't have to be as lonely as people make it out to be. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the third one because it kind of links into where we've just been going then. Relational intelligence. Um, uh, tell us about this because um, it could sound a little bit like it's like oh you've got like this magnetic charisma I don't think that's what you're getting at through it what, what, what do you mean by relational intelligence well what I mean uh, what I take it to mean is, is people who just get people who who understand people so sort of academic intelligence is understanding facts and figures and being able to write essays and do exams but relationship, relational intelligence is understanding people. So it's it's walking into a room and just just being able to sense the emotions, who's feeling sad, who's a bit nervous, who's a bit left out. You can just read the room a bit, really. And I think that's that's relational intelligence. You just sense what's going on with people. Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's, what it would be. that's really good. Um, and I, th- I think with that, there's knowing how you'll come across two people. So mm. if I act in this way, right, that's going to rub up half the room the wrong way. Yeah. Now you get some people who just seem blind to that and go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah. Some people might know that and not care and do it anyway. Mm. But I guess the people we're looking for are people who, who are smart enough to know what not to say, what to say, yeah. how to handle themselves. You want people who are liked. And yeah. now, of course, you can go too far with that and... Um, you know, Jesus wasn't universally liked, but I mean, people wanted to be around him, didn't they? He was uh, magnetic in a good way. I mean, the Ferguson brothers, they they talk about it like this with, with relational intelligence. They said that um, the the key to this is when when someone phones you on your phone and their number appears, what is your feeling when you see that name? <laughs> if it is dread, I don't want to pick up the call then maybe that person is actually lacking in relational intelligence. If it's like, you know what, yeah, I want to talk to this person. They're, the likelihood is that they are, they're high in relationship with relational intelligence. Now, we don't just want it to be a popularity contest, but there is that element of so, if someone who understands people, gets people, is there for people, there is, they are going to be like, there is going to be a certain level of, of popularity yeah. in that sense. Yeah, so, so what can people do here? Because uh, I think on... The first two points, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? Like spiritual velocity. It's like, right, you need to get with Jesus. You need to do, like devotionally focus on him. Teachability is shut up, listen to what you're told. <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's, if you've got like a young leader 
who maybe they're self-aware enough that they're they're kind of thinking, right, the other two I'm probably I'm doing all right on, but here, I think this might be a bit of a blind spot for me. Like, can you learn relational intelligence? That's a good question, Tom. <laughs> that is a good question. I uh I think there are, you can learn it to an extent, but I think there is something a little bit intuitive about it as well. I think there is something of, you just, you just know. You know, I I remember uh, being at a church conference a while ago and someone uh, was there, another leader was there, and we were just in in the break and we were just bantering around with some other kind of church leaders and I was just joking around, whatever. And I could tell there was another church leader who's there who is probably a bit lower on the relational intelligence. And I, I could tell that I was just comfortable bantering around, but I could tell that they weren't so comfortable. There was, there was almost like a ner- an anxiety about this, this context, just, just a social setting. And I'm chatting away, I'm about to tell jokes, whatever. And I can tell, now I could just tell, looking at them, that they're studying they're studying the interactions of, of this kind of of this kind of event. So, so I could tell that they were learning, but that actually it's something that I have never thought I would need to learn. A, you know, a social event. It's just something I love. I enjoy this kind of thing. So I was like, oh, that's interesting, really. So I think there are ways you can learn it. I think there is just an intuitiveness to it, which is why when I want to talk about these. We look out for this stuff, and I think, in in my experience. When it's come to bringing through leaders, when when there's been an obvious lack of teachability and an obvious lack of relational intelligence, those two in particular, that's when we've had the biggest the biggest problems, really, um, because really leading is relating to people, so it's pretty essential. So, Tom, I've not really answered your question. I'm very sorry. Do you no, have any suggestions? Right. <laughs> um, I think why I asked the question is I can think of people who, when I met them, in their early 20s. It's like, you rub everyone up the wrong way. You clearly don't know how to be around people who now, 10 years later, are like, okay, wow, you're really kind of in tune with what's going on with people. Mm. You've been on a journey here. And then I meet other people who never seem to make that journey. And I wonder if there are two types of barrier to relational intelligence. And one of them is just growing up. Yeah, exactly. We were talking about, uh, like recently, how sometimes the best thing for a leader is just to go somewhere where they're not going to be taken seriously at all, where when they're a bit too big on themselves, they'll just get laughed at in a, yeah. in a really loving way. Yeah. But it kind of just brings them down a notch. They Absolutely. relearn how to be around people. Yeah. And I wonder if for, for younger leaders who take themselves seriously, maybe the best way to grow in relational intelligence and teachability mm is just to find people who won't buy it at all and who, who's willing to take the mickey out of them, learn how to take that, learn how to be in a setting. Whereas I'm not talking about anything yeah. malicious, not talking about anything that, that drags you down, but where people will affectionately not yeah. let you buy your own hype. Absolutely. And I think with relation and intelligence, you know, we've taken a punt on some leaders on these and there's been a few of these where like, I think they're okay, but I'm I'm not sure we're going to take a punt. And you know, some of those punts have worked out absolutely brilliantly. Some not so much. So I I think I suppose what I'd say with all these three is do hold them lightly. I I tend to use them more as a 
someone's not obviously weak in one of these three rather than they're not you know 100 amazing in all three of them that, yes. that's tender. so definitely hold it lightly and and yeah you're absolutely right when it comes to youth people just growing up there is a very much an element of okay look this could just be yes. growing up and learning and yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's absolutely true like when you put this document together, I think you did have in mind site leader. So you were yeah. thinking quite a high level of responsibility. Now, what we're not saying, or I don't think we're saying, is that the same criteria to the same extent uh, are the things for everything. Actually, there are lots of leadership roles. Yeah, absolutely. That we probably do look for the same core ingredients, but the level to which we look for them yeah. would vary. We, we want people to be able to jump a low bar and we want them to be able to have a go and actually if you've got someone say on relational intelligence you you're just not sure and you expose them to a little bit of leadership see how they do and they might surprise you and they might relate to people a lot better than you thought and yeah. that's a good sign to then give them more mm-hmm. if they struggle with it it's like right how do we get alongside how do we help and pour in or do we redeploy is all these questions can be there absolutely yeah that's absolutely true tom yeah, yeah. i agree <laughs> great well thanks andy i really appreciate you coming on and having a chat with us today this totally. is just uh, it's been such a helpful framework since you put this together like i return to it like loads of times and i know others on the team here do as well and hopefully for those of you listening along you'll find this useful as well um, if you want the whole thing that Andy put together, please do just reach out to us. We could happily send that over to you. Uh, and we're going to be back next week and we're going to be talking more about leadership. So have a good week, everyone, and see you next time. <laughs>